Hey team, it's Steady State Podcast. Your rowing fix where the water's always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. It's Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan. This is Steady State Podcast. Sit ready. Now, today's podcast. We're really excited to have our first guest, best known as Girl on the River, Patricia Carswell. She's someone who both Tara and I have followed and admired for her voice as a master's rower and a scribe of her very real rowing life. So welcome, Patricia. Hello. Hello. There she is. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. Yeah, you too. So, wow, it's really fun to meet you. We've been fans of yours for a long time. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to dive in and we're going to ask you to do an introduction. Give us your name, your club, and um, what your vision is as a little uh, celebrity in the rowing world. So, my name's Patricia Carswell. I row at Monmouth Rowing Club, which is just uh, inside the Welsh border in the UK. And I kind of find it weird that you'd even heard of me because basically I'm a pretty unsuccessful late onset club rower um so were it not for social media i would literally be a nobody in the rowing world the i would just be known as you know secretary of my rowing club Um, but thanks to the wonders of the internet i have found myself connecting with rowers all around the world which is just amazing um so rachel and i started this thing this media network (laughs) Why not? Why not? <laughs> Pandemic. Why not? Why not? And you're our first guest. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so yeah. excited. So we're really excited that you um, you are up for the chat. Uh, I'm always up for a chat. <laughs> so, so how does Girl on the River show up? I have a website, girlontheriver.com, which is where it all started. And then I'm on twitter facebook and instagram as girl on the river so if you just look me up at girl on the river you'll find me i love that your um kind of tagline is diary of a pint-sized rower Um, (laughs) i really uh can connect with that i'm five two and a half on a good day and um very early on in my sweep rowing life was you know always kind of fighting an uphill battle to have an oar in my hand versus being in the coxswains. Um, Do you know, so it's I, really funny you say that because my very first post on the blog was called, I am not a cox. Oh, excellent. And yeah. it was on exactly that subject. The fact yeah. that, you know, when you're small, everyone wants you to cox. But funnily enough, since then, I have taken to coxing as well as rowing. And I'm so glad I did because um, it's, it's, I think it's probably the only sport where if you have an injury or an illness, you can actually carry on being part of the crew. Um, so there was one year sure. where we were, we were training for the biggest event of, of our year, the um, uh, British Masters Regatta. And I was um, in a four, it was a Cox four. And a few weeks before the event, I, my lower back went as it does mm. from time to time. And I literally just swapped places with the Cox. Yeah. and stayed in the crew and coxed them at the event. And it's just, I'm so glad. I mean, obviously coxing is so much more than that. Um, since then, I've actually learned 
to enjoy it and realize what a skill it is and all the rest of it um, and what a challenge it is. So I, I, I value it so much more than I did at the beginning. But at the beginning, I was like, no, I'm not coxing. I'm a rower and that's the end of it. Yeah. 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 I have the opposite because I'm five foot ten. And I'm a sweeper and I love coxswains, but I actually have had many opportunities to cox eights. I'm like, I call myself the world's largest coxswain. (laughs) And I love coxing. Like I would love to be five foot two and just, I love that moment, you know, when they just, they just respond. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's magic. Actually wanted to ask you a little bit more about um, Girl on the River, the the website and your blog, um, because we know about it. But I was wondering when you first started writing about rowing, and when you decided that you wanted it to be a blog. What were you hoping for it? What did you envision it becoming? Okay, so the re- the reason I started it, I'd been rowing for about a year, and. Um, basically I'd got really into rowing in a big way and um, I was starting to bore my husband rigid Um, and he just got to the point where he couldn't stand it anymore and he said look why don't you just write about it so basically Girl on the River started so that I didn't have to bore my husband with all my rowing chat oh my god that's hilarious I guess he's not a rower huh well this is another weird thing no he's not Um, and about sort of Five years into my rowing, I was off to this local regatta um, in a town called Ironbridge. And uh, my husband said, I've got a pot from Ironbridge. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I've got a pot from Ironbridge. And it turned out that he'd done several years of coxing at school. And in all the five years I'd been rowing, he'd never thought to bring it up. Not <laughs> once. I mean, what? <laughs> just weird anyway he's not at all interested in yeah. rowing coxing anything like that so you yeah. call those uh, like... rowing widows yeah yeah exactly that's so i i married a non-rower who is also um not terribly i mean he's interested in in general in theory he can kind of come to the regattas pay attention he knows what good strokes looks like look like but um you know, I've, I've tried to sit him on the erg and teach him good technique. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to hammer it out, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. That, that's like good for preface for marriage counseling right there. Try to <laughs> teach your teacher person how to row, you know? No, no. You know. Have you always been a writer? Um, no, I started off my adult life as a lawyer. Um, I qualified as a solicitor and then I was a barrister for 10 years uh, and then my health got the better of me. Um, I was diagnosed with ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, and that kind of put paid to my legal career. Uh, so I spent a few years uh, at home looking after my kids and then I sort of reinvented myself as a journalist. Um, so that happened about five years before I started the blog. I started getting paid for writing and uh then so it was quite a sort of easy step sideways into blogging and at the time blogging was a very different medium from how it is now it was much less visual so if you could string a sentence together it didn't matter if you couldn't take pictures which was just as well because that is not my forte yeah that's true actually when did you start it so i started it in 2011 
Okay. And it took me quite a long time to realize that the visual aspect actually mattered. And, you know, within a couple of years of me starting it, became much much more important so I look back at those early posts and I kind of you know I see there's maybe one tiny thumbnail picture and that's it yeah no you're right I hadn't thought about that in a while but early on it really was about the writing yeah and over the years it's really moved in the other direction if you think about in Instagram TikTok everything it's all about the visuals Rachel and I are in a situation where we have so many things we could muse about. Right, and I think a lot of people who, who like writing and, and like being an artist around their, their passion, you know, whether it be rowing or something else, there's so many topics to choose from. How do you choose, like, oh, today the, 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 the topic is gonna be, like, is it just something that inspires you or some event that inspires you? Yeah, I mean, that's the joy of blogging, really, because it's up to me what I write about. And so it's usually just whatever's on my mind. Um, I mean, quite often I have a backlog of posts that um, I usually have a, a list on my desk of, of things that I want to write about. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm trialing a product or whatever. Um, but usually it's just whatever crosses my mind. Sometimes I'm rowing and something pops into my mind that would be cool to blog about that's actually often how posts come to mind is when I'm actually out on the river um, but it's yeah it's you know there's been quite a lot about coronavirus this year um, and it's basically what's going on in my rowing life that's that's sort of at the heart of the blog and then there's other stuff around the edges but that's basically the heart of it and you're in a unique situation also because you're being asked to write now for uh, British rowing right so they used to have uh, a magazine that went out to all the members of British Rowing that was called Rowing and Regatta. And I used to do the odd post for them as a journalist, uh, sorry, the odd article for them. Um, but that was usually about something to do with clubs or rowing in general. Um, and they recently um, abandoned the magazine in favor of a, an online content hub and asked me instead to do a regular column, if you like. It's basically a regular blog post once a month. And we've called it Life on the River. And the idea is to be a sort of uh, accompaniment to Girl on the River. So it's um, like a sort of sister site. Um, and I talk about the same sort of thing. So um, yeah, I've talked a bit about rowing in the pandemic. I've talked about what's happening with the environment now that, you know, we're We've all forgotten about it in the last six months, that kind of thing. But it's all kind of connected with my own experience. So it's still kind of first person. And it's actually really fun to, to write about my own rowing, but with, you know, a slightly different audience. Mm -hmm. I took a look at the British Rowing Plus website um, just recently for the first time. And I was kind of smitten with it because it says... Um, you know, in, in addition to featuring rowing stories and workouts and technical advice, it says whatever type of rower you are. And that's exactly what we're going for here, right? Yeah. At Steady State Network, we, we want this to be um, a platform and a community for everyone. And Tara and I have been talking some about this notion of it being blazer free. None of us have uni blazers, you know? Yeah. Um, so the fact that British Rowing has upfront on this website said everyone welcome yeah. was really a breath of fresh air. Um, 
I'm not sure we get that same feeling out of our own national rowing organization. And that's a whole other conversation we're all kind of taking part in these days. So congratulations on getting um, uh, uh, to partner with them. I think that's really exciting. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's yeah. so good to have the different voices out there. You know, we, we chose our tagline of rowing dot, dot, dot for the rest of us. And it was really like you could identify with that if you were an Olympian or a 12-year-old learning in a bathtub single. It's just, where's my story? Where, and I always used to call it the humor and humanity of the sport, you know, because your, your, your approach is so unique. Those things come to you in your mind when you're on the water. And, and you as a single scholar, especially, you don't have, you know, right now you have the, you're missing all the chatter, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. But I think there's an important point to make there about the rowing community because the thing that absolutely blew me away when I started my blog and I um, my main sort of point of contact with people was on Twitter and I was just blown away by how kind of democratic the rowing world is so I would get you know I'd find myself chatting to Olympic rowers who would just chat away to me like you know, anyone else. So I remember um, there was a, I think it was Megan Calmo got, got in touch with me um, early on about something I'd written about an injury. I think it was her. And it just kind of amazed me that they were so unstarry. And I found that with the British Olympic rowers as well. They, you know, they don't kind of set themselves apart. And there's constant chat on Twitter. I think anybody who loves rowing loves talking about it. And it doesn't seem to matter whether you're kind of a unsuccessful novice like me. I mean, it took forever for me ever to win a race. Um, or someone who's got five Olympic medals, you know, it just everyone chats. And I think that's just yeah. fantastic. They all put their one piece on one leg at a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it is, um, that's something that uh, took me a little while to uh, recognize as well. I think I'd been involved with rowing for a good 10 years before I felt like I had some validity in the conversation. And a couple of things happened um, in terms of who, like opportunities I had to talk with people, opportunities I had to participate in things. And that just really opened up my eyes and made me realize, like you were just saying, we once you start talking shop, you're talking shop yeah. and that wall comes down, but that wall exists for a lot of people forever. Um, so we do hope to break down that wall. Yeah. That's and like great. we talk about, you know, I work in the para sphere, the, with mm -hmm. seize the or foundation. And we're just like, look guys, a catch is a catch. Yeah. Finish is finish. Drive is drive. Like it, yeah. it moving the boat is the whole point and enjoying being on the water and having that transformative experience in inside and out catch is a catch guys you know it's not the special catch or you know something blade yeah. goes in yeah. and the boat moves like that's yeah that's pretty basic right um, so you've had some challenges though along the way yes i have <laughs> <laughs> she's like Ooh. well so i think I had been following your blog for a while. I don't remember how long. I honestly don't remember how I found you originally. But when you started writing about your cancer diagnosis and then your treatment and recovery, it was really, um, really inspirational to me and very 
eye-opening and transformational. Uh, I realized that as <clears throat> someone who also was writing about rowing, um, but I was coming at it from running a small business, that the thing that gets people hooked and caring is your personal story. And I don't know if I had done that great of a job with that. So I really started paying attention then. Um, and it has just been like, without you even knowing it, I've been watching this little story unfold and it's been fascinating. And now it's a couple of years later and you seem to be doing well, but um, we wanted to talk with you a little bit about what it was like at that time when you were diagnosed with cancer and then how you got back in a boat and what that meant to you. Sure. That's a big loaded question. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll give you the sort of chronology. Um, it was uh, coming up to the end of 2017 and I was aware that there was this kind of, it wasn't a lump, but it was a sort of area of thickness. And this is something I'm very keen to get across to people that, it, you know, uh, an abnormality um, doesn't have to be a lump. So in this case, it was just this sort of weird thick area that I kind of didn't recognize. So I, it was that dead period between Christmas and New Year. And I'd noticed it for maybe couple of months and I thought okay well I'll do something about it so I rang up my doctor's office and they said come in now I'm like oh, okay and you know it all kind of snowballed from there and before I knew it um, I was sitting in a surgeon's office and she was telling me that I was going to have a mastectomy mm -hmm. uh, so at the time I was probably the fittest I've ever been literally in my whole life um, we were training uh, we were training to really to there was a you know there were places available in a boat for the women's head which is um our kind of big race it's kind of our head of the charles it's uh, on the thames in london and um i was absolutely determined to get into the boat i'd never got into that first date before except occasionally by default but i i was determined this year was going to be my year so i'd been doing this uh, thing where I'd been uh, on the erg every day in January and so while I was going through this sort of diagnosis procedure which is always you know two week gaps you you go for one test and then two weeks later you go for another and then two weeks two weeks two weeks um, and while this was go all going on I was still on the erg every day because I really didn't expect that there was anything wrong with me um, but anyway, I had had the surgery and then they discovered it was invasive breast cancer which um, was uh, news to me because they'd originally thought it wasn't. Um, so then I had to have chemo, but I was lucky enough to have an amazing surgeon who somehow, for some reason, she completely got me right from the start. I didn't say that rowing was really, really important to me, but I didn't have to. So when we were discussing reconstruction options, she just said, well, we can't do this particular type, uh, the lat flap, because you're a rower and that would take a bit of your your lat out so that's out of the question I'm like oh thank you for even thinking that um, and eventually I decided that all I wanted out of this was to get back on the river as fast as possible um, so I decided uh, not to have a reconstruction and that was really because of rowing um, and so I managed to get back in the boat between my surgery and my chemo um, and had a couple of outings, which was fantastic. And that's where actually the coxing came in because my first outing was as a cox. And then I got into a quad uh, and then chemo started. 
and I was just so lucky because um, I, someone put me in touch with a British Paralympic gold medalist called Helene Rainsford um, and she has had breast cancer and she rode throughout her chemo uh, and she was brilliant she talked me through it she advised me about uh, hand hygiene and pacing myself and all the things that you need to take into account uh, and so sort of 10 days after my first chemo infusion I was out on the river in a single and I rode all the way through my chemo uh, which made just such a difference to how I felt um, it kind of enabled me to feel human and connected and my rowing friends were absolutely amazing they took me to appointments and looked after me and kind of gathered around me so you know rowing was sort of front and central of of my cancer experience um, which was absolutely as it should be <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's excellent, uh, that restorative nature of it, right? To be able mm -hmm. to get on the water and you've got some quiet time. Yeah. <laughs> and time that you're maybe, maybe not thinking about the other things you've been thinking about the other 23 hours of the day. We were actually wondering what river you row on and can you give us a little picture of what you see when you go out for a row? Okay, so I row on the River Y which is one of the most beautiful rivers in the country. Uh, and it's one of those ones where you go to an event somewhere else and just think, gosh, you know, this is lovely, but it's nothing like what we have. Um, so our, our rowing club um, is at the top of some steps. So we go down the steps and we immediately are in the trees. So we have the stretch, the usual stretch that we can row is just over two kilometers. Um, there's a great big bend in the middle of that. Um, and quite often we have other obstacles in the form of fishermen, stand-up paddle boarders, canoeists, and also trees that actually jump out at you um, as you're going along. They, they definitely move. They weren't there and you look around and they're not there and then suddenly they've moved and you're in the middle of them. Um, but lots of amazing wildlife. We get, you know, kingfishers and ducks and swans and occasionally cows strolling into the river for a drink. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and we're just so lucky to have it. So it's kind of nature watch as we're going along. And when I'm coxing, I do sometimes uh, stop the boat just so people can look at things. Yeah, oh, um, that sounds lovely. That sounds so, so yeah. lovely. There's a, um, I follow a lot of clubs in the UK and I'm always just marveling at the ones that have castles on their oh, row, right. on their river. Do you have any of those? No, we don't have any, any, any castles on our, on our stretch, but I did have an amazing experience in a, a race. We were in, um, in Worcester and it was uh, a head race. And just as we got to the end, the bells started peeling just as we crossed the finishing line it was just amazing it was like thank you very much <laughs> so i was uh, noticing that in the last six months or maybe i don't know if, maybe you can take me through the timeline but i don't know if this had anything to do with the pandemic but um you have changed your relationship with social media recently you've expressed some some change there yeah so i was sort of trying to uh, throw myself inst into Instagram. I love Instagram, don't get me wrong. Um, and actually during my cancer treatment, I was, I 
came across some absolutely incredible people on Instagram, made some friends for life there. Um, and I think it has a lot going for it. But I started just in the last couple of months to find the pressure of coming up with pictures. Um, just was spoiling my enjoyment of my rowing. So, you know, I'd be there with my GoPro trying to get a great new shot or a great new angle or whatever. And I do quite enjoy playing around with it, but it was actually starting to mar my enjoyment and I realized I wasn't kind of in the moment as much as I wanted to be um, so I've not completely stepped back from it but I'm posting less often um, you know I'll, I'll, I'll be doing quite a lot of posting this month for breast cancer awareness month but um, you know the I think the problem with Instagram is that you kind of feel under pressure to curate your feed um, and make everything look amazing and get just the perfect shot and it can it, it's a sort of double-edged sword it can be a great kind of hobby and, and lots of fun but as soon as it starts taking you out of the moment I think that's the moment to step back um, and I do worry about what we're doing to our young people on social media um, with all the filters and making them kind of curate their lives um, so what are you doing back to the breast cancer uh, and awareness month? Does that also happen in the UK this October awareness month? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. what's, what's happening in your world for that? Okay. So, um, I am raising money for a cancer called a cancer charity called breast cancer now, um, which is an amalgamation of two charities, uh, breast cancer now and breast cancer care. They've now become one. And the reason I'm raising money and awareness for them is because breast cancer care was really important to me during my treatment. They, um, they do all sorts of things, but one of the things that was really helpful to me was their information booklets. Cause my surgeon said to me right at the beginning, um, don't just go Googling because you'll get confused and frightened. And some of the information won't be relevant to the UK anyway. Um, so breast cancer care provided these, uh, information booklets that were just brilliant. They were so clear and they were reliable and they were great for my parents who are kind of Google averse. So it was perfect for them. And um, the other thing they did was this amazing course called Moving Forward, um, which is for people who finished their treatment, because for a, a lot of people, that's a sort of surprisingly bewildering time. And for a lot of people, they're carried along through their treatment on a kind of wave of adrenaline and they get to the end and that's when it hits them. Um, the impact of what they've been through. So this course was just fantastic. It really um, helped me with um, the sort of you know, recovery from the treatment. So I am doing uh, 100K in 30 days, which is on the ERG. So uh, every day I do an average of 3.3K. Uh, I'm very pleased with myself because I'm five days in and I've already got 30K on the clock. So I think I'm set to smash my target. Um, and I'm sort of writing about it on social media and uh, it's all out there. Excellent. So, so far your 100K challenge is going well. It is going very well. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, we also wanted to ask you about um, Rowers United for the planet. So yes. you started a Facebook group just back in August, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so this is something I've had in mind for a while. I was going to start writing more about the environment just before my breast cancer diagnosis. And then obviously I got a bit distracted for a while. Um, but this felt like a good time to be doing it because I remember during the last recession, suddenly the environment just fell off the agenda. I'd been writing quite a lot as a journalist uh, about uh, environmental matters and suddenly all the green pages of the newspapers just closed down and were replaced by food because everyone was too depressed to think about it. And it occurred to me that the same is in great danger of ha happening with the pandemic, um, partly because everyone's distracted, partly because of all the plastic pollution with all the masks and the gloves, um, and partly because, you know, the, the economy is going to take a hit, like it or not. And that's when eco matters tend to fall off the agenda. So I thought, okay, this is the time to start really getting people thinking about it. So the idea of the Facebook group is for rowers anywhere in the world to join and just share tips and advice and problems. So a lot of us are, you know, involved in trying to make our rowing clubs more sustainable, um, try and introduce green practices. And, you know, we have a variety of challenges um, which are all the more difficult now with the pandemic so obviously you know a lot of us were doing things like getting rid of um, wipes and introducing plastic free events and you know not having disposable bottles and cups and that kind of thing all of which is more challenging now uh, so the idea is just for people to have a place where they can discuss it um, and talk about what's recyclable, talk about what they're using to clean their equipment, talk about you know, anything, anything to do with um, sort of making rowing more sustainable. Um, so it's called Rowers United to Save the Planet and anyone can join, just ask to join and I'll admit you and um, we need just to get the conversation going. I have no great answers or wisdom, it's really just a discussion forum. That's what it's all about. Um, I'm really excited to see uh, that you started the conversation online and hopefully some people hearing this will will join in and uh, add their voices to the conversation too. Oh, I hope so. And, you know, I'm really encouraged in that I wrote an article uh, last year about all the green initiatives going on in rowing clubs. And there's a huge amount of stuff being done, you know, from litter picks to water harvesting, um, all sorts of things. Um, and it's just a question of pooling that knowledge because there are so many people with brilliant ideas. You know, I've spoken to someone in London who's been um, using kind of electric um, kind of non, you know, clean fuel launches and that kind of thing. So, you know, there's, there's a huge amount that can be done. Um, but at the moment, like you say, it's all kind of sort of disparate all over the place. So we need just to kind of bring everyone together to have the conversation. What has the response been like so far? Well, uh, we've had quite a lot of people joining and it's um, growing steadily. Obviously, you know, in some ways it's a, a crazy time to set up something like this because everyone is majorly distracted but that's kind of the point um, so you know I know on on my club committee um, we've stopped having quite so many conversations about the environment and we're because you know in every meeting we have so much to get through uh, with COVID protocols and that kind of thing um, but you know we're doing we're doing what we can and and I think it's just 
ticking over for the moment and then hopefully um we'll we'll pick it up in you know with a bit more um momentum next year yeah it's really being overshadowed right now it's you know and here we're talking about COVID 19 and there's mm -hmm. been a huge movement and discussion in the united states uh surrounding the black lives matter movement yeah. and that has really I almost want to say like taken over the rowing conversation right now. Yeah. So I also am looking forward to bringing the environmental conversation uh, a little bit more to the forefront whenever we get back on the water in our big sweet boats. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's but yeah. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged yeah. that the, the race issue has actually gone, you know, been carried forward because, um, you know, I was a bit concerned a couple of months ago that people would sort of put the black tile on their Instagram and then that would be it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I think it's really important to keep that conversation going and actually, you know, make it more than just gesture politics. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the answers are and, and, and what can be done, but it's really encouraging to know that you're still thinking about it and talking about it in the States because, you know, th there, was a, there were an awful lot of people who were kind of, you know, posting the correct stuff at the time, but I was concerned then that it might not have anything more than a temporary impact. So that's encouraging. We have a fun thing that we like to do at the end. And it's our rapid fire. Quarter starboard. Ah, uh, bow, bow side or stroke side? Wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> I like can't remember which is which, which is terrible because I'm meant to know. Bow side. That's depends on how the boat is ringed. It's yeah, which, it, that, so ports on the left, uh, when you're in no. the boat, port, <laughs> we don't even know what rowing is. <laughs> I've got a sticker, I've got a sticker that I put on, on one boat that I was coxing that had port and yeah. starboard on it, on the sticker on either side, so I actually, when I got shouted at to move, I knew which one it was. Yeah. We always used to say, is the answer. even number port, odd number starboard, so you'd be starboard. So anyway, it's the green one. Perfect. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, when you are in a sweep boat, bow seat or stroke seat? Bow. Always. I think, does, would you say that basically comes from the fact that you're 5'2 and people just put you there anyway? I am 5'3 and a quarter. I'm sorry. 5'3. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Yes, it is. Also, nobody can see you. Yeah. yeah. Also, I, you are rowing a single a lot, so you have you you know what to do. You you turn around. You know what to do. Yeah. You know you know how to motivate people, right? Yeah, I don't like I don't like being in the bow seat in a when I'm steering other people though, like in a quad. Mm. That's terrifying. I've crashed like that. It wasn't good. Okay, uh, salt water or fresh water? Fresh, but I have tried. I have tried rowing on the sea and it was very exciting, but no, I'm, yeah, definitely fresh. Nice. Head race or sprint race? Oof. Oh, that's such a hard question. Uh, I'm going to go sprint. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's warmer usually. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Uh, favorite Cox command to receive 
or give? <laughs> okay, lottery ticket, which is an unusual one. Um, so basically, if I shout lottery ticket during a race, that means that they have to start squeezing their glutes because basically, they'll, they'll, by that point, they will know what I'm talking about. Basically, you've got, you're standing in a high wind and you've got a winning lottery ticket between your buttocks and you have to make sure you don't get rid of them. So there you go. I've, I've destroyed Tara. <laughs> and no one in the other boats up until now, and I've let the cat out of the bag, knows oh, what I'm talking about. my God. I don't I, think either one of us were expecting that. That's no, well, my, I have to say my coxing style is a little unorthodox. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. I'm, I'm like squeezing my butt cheeks just thinking about it because <laughs> I'm standing here. Oh my You're gosh. never going to see a lottery ticket in the same way again, are you? Oh, goodness. It's a great call. It works. Yes. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> Even when I'm self-coxing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all in one or two piece? All in one. Yeah. Uh, except when you then have layers on top and you need to go to the loo and that's, that's really bad. It's but bad. yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen, I've, I have seen, uh, an all in one with long pants. Mm. That's just wrong. And why? That seems even more complicated. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I thought you were going to say it had the little butt flap, you know, like a little, like the little long talk, johns, you know? Yeah. We should give that suggestion to uh, JL. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll really, they'll really run with <laughs> they, that. They don't have enough going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, uh, and finally, coffee before or after the row? Well, you see... It should be after, but I always have one before and then regret it. Because, <laughs> you know, you're halfway through the outing and it's like, damn, I shouldn't have had that coffee. <laughs> but I always do. I never, ever learn from my mistakes. Do, you, do either of you ever know anyone who brings coffee in the boat with them? Like instead of water? Yeah. As a yeah. Non, yeah. As a, I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, even just the aroma of it bothers me. So when people bring it in the boat, it's incredibly distracting. It's quite kind of lifestyle, isn't it? I mean, I quite admire that, that the style of it, you know, turning up with your cup from, from Starbucks or whatever. I mean, it, it kind of suggests, it suggests that you've decided how this outing's going to go today, that, you know, you're in the zone and no, it's all wrong. No, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just... I've had nice. teammates show up with like, you know, the handmade ceramic mug that their kid made in fourth grade, you know, in elementary school and they've got their coffee and they get in the boat and they just put it in the bottom of the boat. It just, but there is, on. there is, there is room for a proper cup holder in a single Absolutely. skull. I mean, why, why is there no cup holder? Mm. Because I have to use my shoes as a cup holder and that doesn't yeah. always work. Yeah, that's my trick. Yeah, I do that too. Yeah, but sometimes they slip right down. So what? Why has no no one ever designed cup holders in boats? That's a design challenge to any engineers out there, please. I agree there, and there should be a cup holder in the 
coxswain cockpit. Yeah. And, yeah, and they need the coffee. They're the ones who need the coffee. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there should be heated seats as well. <gasps> oh my God, you're onto something. Yeah. That's a brilliant idea. Oh, heated really. seat pad. Godfrey, are you there? Ooh, heated seat pads. Oh, that's, that's good. Wow. Yeah, and then if you get too hot, you can take it off. Yeah. You know, a bit of an elegant shuffle. Else. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a treat. Um, oh, well, we, thank you. We've had you on our list from very early on of like, we need to, we actually, funny, we didn't know your name because <laughs> we followed you. And the only way I found out your name was because on your Facebook page, you have Patricia Carswell at Gmail or whatever the email address is that's posted on Facebook. And that was the only, I was like, I think her name is Patricia Carswell. <laughs> we had yeah, no we, idea. No one at, at my rowing club actually calls me Patricia, unfortunately. I, I have the worst rowing nickname of all, which is Trash, which all came from a, an autocorrect um, about... <laughs> 10 years ago it's very unfortunate and at the time kind of very accurately summarized my my rowing so there it is trash by name trash by nature wow um tara we're gonna edit this little piece out but when i was younger um i had a nickname that i don't know why but i loved it i got it when i was playing softball and basketball it has nothing to do with either one but i got the nickname roach I don't oh, no. know exactly how Rachel became Roach, but I had, I mean, my best friend called me that for five years. And oh, my no. mother was so disappointed. <laughs> That's funny. I had one, it was Frick, because my best friend, who was kind of my, um, she was our first baseman on my softball team. She met me when I was just a baby, when I was 21. And she decided one time that she was going to start cursing less and say the F-bomb less. And she would go, Frick! And because I was this young, kind of annoying, loud, you know, little person in her life, she would call me a frick. You're such a frick. And so that <laughs> became my name. So I still answer to it now. I'll, if, you, if, that, if I heard that, I would turn around. Absolutely. So we're, we're bonded by bad nicknames. Frick, Roach, and Trash. <laughs> yeah, what a connection. <laughs> I think that's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> totally. People have to, like, like listen, listen to the whole thing to, like, figure out what's the Frick, Roach, and Trash thing. <laughs> you can't <laughs> cut this bit. Oh, man, no. actually, all right. Well, Patricia, this has been excellent. Thank you so much for joining us really towards the end of your day, the beginning of Tara's day in the middle of mine. And um, I hope that this is not the first and last time that we get the chance to talk with you. Absolutely. It's been an absolute joy. Really enjoyed it. And I just sincerely hope we can meet in person one day as well. It's time to check it down and finish up this episode like we always do. Each week, listeners share the best rowing-related things that happened to them. Let's hear from a few folks. Hello, this is Anthony Chacon from Colgate Men's Rowing. The best part of my day is getting out on the water and seeing rowers make changes and work hard to get faster. Even if it's a windy day or choppy water, they will leave practice having gotten a little bit better, a little bit faster. And that always brings a smile to my face. Don't forget, you can add your voice to this segment. 
Just record your own voice on your phone to share the best part of your rowing week. Send the audio to us anytime at bestpart at steadystatenetwork.com. Steady State Network is a media group bringing together real-life rower experiences through podcast conversations, website musings, and a curated quarterly magazine. Join us as a patron, writer, artist, podcast guest, and fan. It's rowing for the rest of us.